Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the graphic novels review editor of Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. You can find us on Twitter at at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And I'd just like to remind you that you can find all of our content at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com, including wonderful and ridiculous con pictures. Indeed. Uh, and don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. Uh, and on Facebook, we're at uh, facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. Uh, you know, we want to thank all of our loyal listeners this week. Before we get into the news, uh, you know, we've experienced amazing growth over the last six months, and, and we know more of you are listening all the time, and we really appreciate it. So we just want to thank you all. And just as a reminder, if you do enjoy this podcast, uh, it doesn't hurt to go on iTunes and review us, you know, or, yeah. you know, like us, love us, loathe us, hate us. But, you know, just just give us a review there, uh, you know. Just it, don't it really, ignore us. Just don't ignore us. Yeah, exactly. So so we love it. And, um, you know, and now on to the news. This week on More to Come, new customers, throngs of new customers continue to make waves. Uh, Iverse Comics Plus, um, a new version. Uh, Humble Bundle, it's raining digital comics. Uh, and a look at the largest comics categories and the news briefs. So let's get right to it. New customers. Well, you know, this new customer thing is not a flash in the pan. You know, oh, no. we talked about this a lot over the last few weeks, obviously, following the ICV2 conference where we looked at all the numbers of the new customers. But, you know, I, I, I liken it to a terrible, dark, overcast sky. And, you know, a clean, fresh spring-like breeze is blowing in and the clouds are parting. I think I already compared to the end of the Matrix on another. I can smell the dew and the the little birds lifting up off of the... the, um, But I I don't know. I mean, it just seems seems like things are happening really, really quickly. I mean... It, It seems like someone has figured out that it doesn't make business sense not to pay attention to these new listeners. So suddenly we're seeing things like um, some things happening really quickly and very responsively to fan appeal. Um, For example, there is a new upcoming comic called Spider-Gwen, which is happening based on and exclusively because of the successful Edge of Spider-Verse issue, which had the alternate universe where Gwen Stacy became the spider hero instead of Peter Parker. And it was such a popular issue. They were just like, you know what? Let's just make that a comic. What a great idea, making Mm. Gwen Stacy a spider Gwen. I mean, it's great. (laughs) And it's not even the only one. There is uh, Silk is another book that's another female spider spider (laughs) being that is getting her own title. And, um, you know, of course, Spider Woman, which we've talked about incessantly. I, I have to say, some part of me is wondering... If this is all a tryout for Sony to figure out which female spider they want to make a movie about, I think you're probably sure, uh, one sure you're billion right percent right on that. Yeah. So uh, you know, no questions there. They're looking for data. You know, but I, I mean, the solicitations for all the publishers came out this week, and uh, you know, some things that have been announced were codified. Uh, Squirrel Girl the, is coming out. Uh, that's another new ongoing mm-hmm. title yeah, from Marvel yeah. that features a really you know offbeat furry inspired character that she. <laughs> 
I, I now, think, is this I think, like is this, is this uh, female targeting the furries appeal to girls no, more? No, I, I think not exactly, but Squirrel Girl <laughs> is this Marvel comedy character right. who is fun and wacky, and the running joke is that just by her power to control squirrels, she somehow manages to defeat the biggest big bads in the Marvel universe. Um, I think that the Squirrel Girl comic comes from two sources. One, more female readers, but two, the popularity of Guardians of the Galaxy. Absolutely. So they were thinking, what is wacky that will appeal to Marvel fans? No, I think And Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even Guardians of the Galaxy is, you know, kind of, as we've said before, a four quadrant hit. And it's not just Marvel. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen Marvel making a lot of moves. Mm -hmm. And I've speculated in the past that Marvel and Disney must have had some kind of internal demographics that made this path feasible for them before. But uh, DC, as we've seen time and time again, has been a little bit more resistant. But, you know what? Guess what the number two book at DC is now behind Scott Snyder's Batman? Do tell, Heidi. Harley Quinn. And I mean, it's a really solid number two book. I mean, it's consistently in the top ten, you know, written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor with covers by Connor, uh, you know, artwork. But I mean, this book totally breaks the mold. Even I read Harley Quinn. And I don't, and truth be told, I don't really follow a lot of superhero books. Yeah, but I mean, closely. it's not really but like a, a superhero book. No, it's more of a comedy no, it's a, book. Yeah, yeah, it's a total comedy. It's a comedy book. It's uh, more it's like, you know, really tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. yeah, but it's also really nicely written and really drawn really well. Though I don't think uh, Connor draws every No, she every doesn't draw the interior. She just draws the, the covers. It does but, covers, yeah. But, you know, the point is, this is the book. We've talked about mm-hmm. it over and over again, and we've heard behind-the-seeds stories over and over again that, you know, things had to be sad, and things had to be grim, and things had to be gritty, and, you know, no one DC hero could be married because they have to be unhappy and suffering. You know, and here comes this book, which granted is about a mentally unstable young woman. (laughs) Okay, yes, so there is a a tragic, you know, backstory here. But uh, it's definitely lighthearted, you know? I mean, it's dark, it's satirical, but it's very much... Uh, with a comedic edge, and well, look, you know, it's full of capers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Maybe this will break DC's ban on the no funny comic book covers. Well, the w- rumors coming out this week are that after DC moves to the West Coast, it's kind of a game of fifty-two pickup because uh, everything's going to be on the floor. And you know, another book that's had a huge impact is Batgirl that just came out, got mm. good reviews. I mean, this is another like book that absolutely. It drawn from the page views of Tumblr. You know, with Babs Tar, she's absolutely, you know, an artist who got mm. known through Tumblr, um, you know, features um, a much more modern, up-to-date uh, version. And, you know, they just announced Supergirl today. It's going to be written, written by a woman, Kay Perkins. I mean, there's just everything. Everything is happening. Sure. I just got a rumor in my in my email that, that Barnes & Noble wants more woman-focused graphic novels. I mean, like I said, that's why I can only compare it to... The, the Matrix. It's just like those patches of blue sky are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> it has been a long time coming. It has. But, but you know what? It's a return. See, that's the thing. You know, and as someone who's been fighting this battle for her entire adult life, I mean, I can be allowed my silly metaphor. Because, you should. You should. <laughs> because I've been saying this for 25 years. And I, you would not, you know, the things that I've heard that said it wasn't true are so ludicrous that I carry well, each and every one of them, you know, in a little you know, locket in my heart, you guys. As you, as you should. As you should. I, it, probably one 
aspect of this that maybe maybe we haven't talked about too much is that you know there's a lot more data now. I mean, you really can't deny it now. I mean, obviously there are people that try, but there's so much data, and it's pretty clear now that they're yes. they're talking about a whole new marketplace in many ways. So. Right. Yeah. And and you know I mean it's not all it's all not all it's not uh, perfect yeah, I mean you know and there's still things like there's game, a long way there's to go. a lot of pushback you know as with GamerGate and I mean I'm I not mean, even going to oh get into God. that yes, but I'm, I'm just really glad I mean I feel terrible for the gamer people I do but I'm glad it's happening there and not here well, they, because I can totally believe that it could happen in comics I'm just glad it's well not. they tried they tried a few weeks ago to have ComicGate but um and and uh, you know it didn't really catch on. So um, now could there be more? Yes. So there's a lot of pushback. We're not out of the... There are still clouds well, in the sky. Yeah. But. Well, you could make the case that, I mean, Comicsgate has happened on certainly on a smaller scale than the insanity that's going on with Gamergate. I mean, yeah. as, as far as... It, it may well be that comics fans just send each other nasty letters about Spider-Man and occasionally inchoate threats but no one runs around <laughs> doxing each other yeah. or calling people's parents. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a low standard, but we appear to be slightly better than the gamer yeah. people. Yes, we yeah. do. So far, so good. We're but better than the worst. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, let's face it. I mean, I think one thing that has uh, kept Gamergate in the news is just that the actual game companies haven't touched it, you know? And I mean, I think it's very, like we're saying, it's like even Marvel and DC, which are traditionally pretty hidebound institutions are moving very quickly on all of this yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, and I, you know, again, to target female yes, fans. Yes, to target people. Yeah. yeah. Once the direction is set, now, once they've gotten moving in that direction, yes. they've moved pretty fast. Yes. But it took, it was a long time coming. It was. It was a long time coming. And, um, you know, I mean, I hope these gains won't be erased quickly, but I, I have a, I have a good feeling about it because I've said for many years, women love to shop and buy things, and you know, if you make products for them to buy, they're they'll not, but, shop but, till they drop. But it's not just that. <laughs> um, study after study after study says that most books bought that's in America so are bought by women. That, that's right. And there's comics no doubt are books. about that. Oh yeah, I mean, that's what's sort of bizarre. I mean, the demographics of book selling. I mean, it's sort of. Is turned on its head in the comics industry because traditionally it seemed to it seemed male dominated because I mean women keep the trade book industry going in this country I right. mean men buy books but women buy far Absolutely. more they Absolutely. mean and you they can and they support of course not just the romance genre but the horror genre but as well oh, sure. and the mystery genre I mean the the, yeah, the biggest uh, genres it's, commercial it's, fiction it's, which really drives trade yeah, book it's, publishing it's, is so dominated by women it, uh, it right it's a joke. Yeah, I mean it's it's not just women's fiction that most oh, no. of which is bought by women. It's, it's everything. everything, right? Right. It's and everything. I mean, we could see All forms of commercial. Fiction. You know that it's almost as if there has to be special places for men's fiction. <laughs> so <laughs> well, you know, I mean, well, I mean, well, I feel uh, like for cultural reasons, men's tastes are catered to even in areas where most of the buyers are women, because. What I've heard again and again about books and about movies and about television shows is men are harder to get. If we aim it at men, we'll get some women too anyway, right. because that just sort of happens. Right. Well, yeah, because women read wider and more you know, across more more kinds of uh, books. Uh, um, and the also, they think that fem- the the theory has been in the past 
that men think female protagonists have cooties, whereas women have no problem there is with that. men. Yeah, that's there right. is a sense that men, that men and boys too, because that's enough, that's a critical element. There is that uh, finding stuff and publishing stuff that boys want to uh, buy and read is is another tricky proposition. The received wisdom is that boys will not read books where girls are the central character. We'll see. Well, we'll see. Um, it kind of depends, uh, and it's also very interesting in the two the two industries where women actually fairly dominate the professional side of trade book publishing. Mm-hmm. Maybe not at the highest echelons, but there's a more of them there than you find in almost any other area right. of American life. I mean, you you probably listeners have never seen any pictures of the insides of the publishers' weekly offices, but. <laughs> Rest assured, the men are outnumbered <laughs> <laughs> in every way. Yeah. So, so although uh, they've had some some parity, it actually used to be really hard to find a man around here. So, no, there's there's no yeah. shortage yeah. of men. They're yes, just outnumbered. Yes. yes. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, we talk about this constantly. You know, this is probably like every other co- podcast or two out of three podcasts we talk but, about yeah. this. But, but it's, yeah. But usually. Yeah. We weren't, we're seeing the clouds. Yes. We're like, yeah. clouds, clouds, clouds. Yes. But now we're going, hey, wait a minute. Here's some blue sky over there. Exactly. People are doing what we've been telling them to do. Awesome. Exactly. Exactly. But the diversification of yeah. the genres and the fandom is, this is the key, I really think, to comics spreading more, more consistently throughout the culture. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's the... The fact that the boundaries between the subgenres are breaking down, that is actually helping yeah. comics as a whole popularize itself more. Because there was a time, not that long ago, I would say about 10 years ago, where it's still, comics fandom was very, very balkanized. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, so if you're just some random person who's like, huh, I wonder what this comics thing is, you immediately found like well are you a manga person or are you a superhero person oh, it wasn't or are even you like an that person it was like are you a marvel person oh, but or then, a but dc person or are you a green lantern person well, or it, a it Superman really was, person? I, there was a time particularly when the in the early boom years of manga where um and uh i remember at the time it was the the only thing that the um that the superhero guys and the indie comics guys agreed on is that they both hated the manga people so there, there was that yeah. clear vocalization, but I do think that now I, the expansion of the con culture to some extent, I think, has also been helpful in this mm-hmm. because basically they're all thrown together in much greater yes, numbers it, than ever before. Yeah. It, it helps break, I think, both non-professional comics forums, mm-hmm. you know, places that are put together by fans for fans in sort of a free-floating social media-ish way, and the convention culture have gotten the different groups to know each other yeah. and know so, each other's comics. Well, I, and the internet, once again. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, the internet. But I mean, I, I think has helped specifically <laughs> Tumblr. I mean, I think specifically yes. Tumblr yeah. is just because people, you know, it's become such a visual, you know, it's visual gluttony. And I think people have been you know, totally posting so many manga images, images yeah. from French comic. I mean, all different comics traditions are found on Tumblr, mm-hmm. just indiscriminately. Indie comics, yeah. everything. So it's, it's like all scans daily, all the time. It is. And, and it's it, become a rich stew. In some ways, we in the past, we've talked about how we, you know, the three of us sort of have a, 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 a an unusual world of comics uh, being here, sort of the catch basin for everything. And while we all have our specific likes and our professional uh, yeah. you know, attention, 
But we we kind of sort of lived in a world that was a little bit unreal. I mean, we because we read and we have access to almost everything. Yes, we do. But but we're privileged. But we're seeing, we are privileged. But we're seeing a little bit more of how we see the world happening actually in the real well, world now, as I, more and more people have more access to more different kinds of comics. Right. I think that this is just another sign and and the biggest flowering of the fact that the best comics marketers are comics fans. Oh yeah. And the easier it is for comics fans to talk to each other about yeah. the things they love and show them the things they love, the more they catch on. Yeah. You know, the more people have a chance to even know that these more indie comics even exist. Right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, speaking of the great digital uh, revolution that has enabled all of this, um, you know, we're still seeing some evolution in that in that framework. Uh, it is not a mature market yet. Yeah, not well. I mean, when Amazon bought Comicsology, I mean that was pretty mature. But uh, it's, it's, well, it's still it's getting. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But uh, well, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, there was definitely some rumors at New York Comic Con about Amazon and Comicsology, but there was also the debut of uh, you know kind of. The second player kind of uh, yeah. ramping up again. Uh, yeah. You know, Iverse has long been, mm-hmm. you know, they launched at They've the same lurking. time. Yeah. Yes. Well, they launched at the same time as yeah. Comixology. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when things but started they out, didn't. they were on a pretty even footing, to be honest. And, you know, Comixology pulled ahead through. By far. By far. And, you know, they did it honestly, upfrontly, you know, by being a good company. Um, but Iverse is relaunching their Comics Plus app, and it has some pretty cool features. Um, I got a personal demonstration uh, by CEO Michael Murphy at New York Comic Con. Um, One of the things that they have is UView, which is their version of Guided View. I could say that on the podcast. They did not want me to say that in print. But um, (laughs) as they call it, a, uh, oh, they had a term for a structured viewing tool or something like that. Basically, so you can read it on your phone. Um, without having to or going blind, yeah, go right, blind, and- right? It's a panel by panel navigation, and yeah. you know, there's a lot of kind of mystery about Guide to View because the, it's believed that the patent is held by Disney, and you know, some people think that's a huge uh, ticky time bomb for Comicsology. Um, Amazon had its own version of it, but anyway, UView is it's kind of the same same idea where when you're reading the comic on the tablet, it jumps from panel to panel, but you can do it yourself. Now, as I mentioned when I first wrote about this, I doubt that too many people will sit around and you viewize, you know, their 500 issue X-Men collection. However, um, you might, if you are uploading your comic to Iverse, you don't have to wait for the Comixology Wizards to do it. You can just do it yourself. It's a very mm-hmm. simple tool and you can create your own um, you know, uh, a proprietary viewing tool <laughs> process. So that's one really good one. Another thing that the Iverse app is going to have is much better search. It's, it's, it's mm. really been revamped. I mean, I love, listen, I love Comixology. We, we, you know, talked about them so many times. Um, you know, they need a visual, uh, you know, they need a makeover. They need Gordon Ramsay to come in and, well, you know, change <laughs> do those. Do a makeover? Yeah, do a little makeover. <laughs> uh, and Iverse has got an up-to-date makeover. Now, the most interesting But thing, Iverse does not have a website that works yet. That is absolutely true. And Make they, of this what you will. Yes. Well, they also need to update that. I, their website is going to be updated. The app is going to be updated. You know, a lot of updates. Now... It wasn't really, I, I, you know, one thing, again, there are certain things that I didn't write in my article that, uh, but, you know, it's kind of hinted to me that Apple's very happy about this, okay? Mm-hmm. Apple's very happy about um, 
competitors to comiXology. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Because, and, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that Apple's backing or, you know, tacit head nod, silent omerta head nod is probably part of the enthusiasm for Iverse to promote this. Because, uh, you know, obviously... Uh, digital comics are a little football being kicked around by oh, the digital giants. And well, and there was a, there was a little back and forth. I mean, when um, uh, when Amazon did an exclusive with the DC graphic novels, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't long before when the Nook launched its new devices. Who did they have on there as an exclusive? Marvel That's for a little right. while. Uh, and That's not, right. And not to mention the fact that the the um, uh, that uh, Barnes and Noble went ballistic. That's right. So people and, see and comics. And DC's comics, they see, yeah. They see um, comics as a valuable platform to have and absolutely. another way to lock cons- customers into their, yes. their retail Ab- channels. Absolutely. And yeah. I mean, every time you see, I mean, they launched the... Um, uh, you know, one of the new ads uh, for the one of the new tablets because there's a whole bunch of new tablets coming, and you see they they include uh, DC characters on absolutely. there. Absolutely, Google so, Play, which yep, is, yeah, Google, yeah, yeah, Google Play. Yeah. So it's like anytime any of the big players are promoting their tablets, they absolutely include oh. comics as one of the key components of the tablet market. Um, you know, despite that, uh, original comics on tablets have never caught on. I mean, it's maybe a discussion for another time. I'm kind of fascinated by by the. Um, by, you know, the way that has... I mean, a lot of people have launched original comics on tablets, but none of them have well, ever caught what, on. What do you mean? The yeah. the comics, like the Comixology originals or what? No, mean, like, I mean like standalone... Submit? No, like standalone apps, you know, like Worm World, the well, guy who did that, he, he uh, withdrew it. I mean... Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I have to say, the thing was that before Comixology and Iverse got big, well, Comixology got big, um, there was definitely a period of digital comics experimentation where every digital comic not only appeared in the other apps, but had its own app. Right. And people just didn't like having 40 million apps yes. on their and thing. Yeah, and it's not just comics. I mean, yeah. apps as individual books themselves have not right. really gotten That's traction. That's true. That is they, true. They want their little shelf. So. And speaking of which, speaking of having your little shelf inside your tablet, um, one feature that the Iverse Plus, well, Iverse Comics Plus, has that Comixology does not yet is that you can also put your pre-existing DRM-free digital comics into there. That's right. You could just upload now, them. Now, some people are saying that this is just for your legally downloaded scans, but I don't think this is entirely fair because there are a lot of things like Humble Bundle, which we'll oh, be sorry. talking about later, uh, or indeed Comixology's own DRM-free backups right. that people have purchased legitimately right. and would love to read and in their I mean, apps. It's like everybody gets free comics. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's it's not just, I mean, obviously we here at Publishers Weekly get a ton of digital galleys mm. that are sitting around in, you know, odd, badly organized folders, but I mean, people are doing giveaways all the time. You know, you can get tons of free comics, you know, like downloads, they sit on your computer. Again, it's like... Or, or, or your Kickstarter comics. Emphasize that mm-hmm. You know, maybe there hasn't been a specific original app comic that has somehow gone crazy. Mm-hmm. But the tablet is really key to all of the activity mm-hmm. that we're seeing. Oh, here. absolutely! The ability to read comics on a tablet that is essentially the, the same page as a, as a as a as a comic, <laughs> and not have to scroll right, or absolutely. pinch and zoom. That was a game changer for the absolutely. for the category. Absolutely, and we're still seeing some other players. 
uh, such as Sequential, who we've talked about quite a few times. Yes, here. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, a, a very yeah, good example. Yeah, and I mean they have a really beautiful app that's graphic novels and they've only. improved it. It's gotten Absolute, better from the yeah. one that they released. And they are doing digital yes. like ori- they're not doing originals, but they're doing digital pre-release comics yes. on mm-hmm, there. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know they're, they're also doing sort of multimedia enhanced mm-hmm. graphic novels. You can decide whether you want them or not, yeah. but they are um, essentially enhanced digital comics that have video, animation, interviews, uh, in addition to the comics, like a little director's cut. Well, I think, you know, as with digital comics, web comics themselves, I think we've seen some interesting experiments early on. Um, Certainly, it's still a player. It's still important to the the giants of our digital world. And uh, it, to coin a phrase, I think there'll be a lot more to come. There will be. Oh, really quickly, just <laughs> just as addition to your Comics Plus commentary, don't sleep on um, Iverse. Also for libraries, Comics right? Plus, Absolutely. a library edition uh, that has been launched. They're, they're, they, um, I've talked with Michael Murphy a little bit about this, mm-hmm. but it launched last year at ALA uh, with about 7,000 titles. They're bringing, they have brought whole library systems on, just a few. I think there's three or four. So that's another side of the uh, equation that is growing. Absolutely. Libraries. So, libraries are desperate for this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, that was a really smart move for Iverse. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I will, again, I, this is not on my end meant as any slam on comicsology. No, I, no, no. Those mm-hmm. guys are great. I, I, you know, but it's, it's a, nice to have options. Absolutely. And um, so I think a lot of people in comics actually yeah. will feel that way. So. But what yeah. were we saying about Humble Bundle? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. This is our digital comics you know, issue. <laughs> Calvin, you're the father of Humble Bundle. <laughs> well, and you know what? I'm certainly the father of a fair number of articles that came out of here about, yeah, about Calvin, Humble Bundle. Yeah, but Calvin, you have been blowing the lid off this right now. Calvin, you have been <laughs> well, a in consultation. Well, a consultation you know, with the Humble Bundle folks right I, from the get-go. I have a reputation for, you know what, if you've got a good story about comics, and particularly digital comics, which I believe are disconnecting us with readers mm-hmm. we would have never gotten before. Absolutely. Um, not to mention the fact that there is content now to interest them. Um, but Humble Bundle continues to really rack up amazing numbers. Uh, I think we were saying somewhere here, we've, I've got a bunch of numbers here, so it's hard to pull them all out. But, uh, but something like, you know, part of what Humble Bundle does is basically release uh, DRM-free comics, a variety of them. Part of the uh, consumers can pay what they wish um, but they, what they also get to do is uh, uh, if they can unlock more content depending on how much they pay, and you give a part of it to charity. Yes. From the very beginning, even if you just pay the minimum amount, you can say what percentage of your money you want to yes. give to the charity, what percentage of it you want to give to the publisher, and what percentage you want to tip HumbleBundle.com. Right. Now, now, they do not archive their statistics, but uh, I believe somebody went and said what the biggest one thus far is. Yeah. Uh, um, Doctor Who, yes, the IDW Doctor Who bundle. Yes. Um, it was purchased at an average price of 11... <laughs> at an go. average price of $11.24, and um, it brought in 563 thousand dollars half a million dollars yeah. more yes. than half a million dollars so uh, yeah and and humble bundle has raised and i think this is for all of their books because they they this year not only did they just started doing uh comics they just started doing ebooks right i mean it was launched basically to promote games right so i think overall um they've raised about 46 million dollars just for charities mm-hmm. um and one of those charities being the Comic Book Legal Defense right. Fund, which has basically 
uh, been blown away by the amount of money that they've been able to raise over their usual amount just by being involved as a charity on Humble Bundle. I don't know exactly how much uh, I did hear. Um, I don't know whether this is well. They're they're a public thing that uh, maybe as much as a third more than they'd have in any year. They they were pretty much blown away uh, by the money. Wow. That they'd raise. Well, I, and the year's one, not out yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, but this is ongoing. Yeah. I mean, they launched a new humble bundle for comics every every couple weeks. Yeah, it's. I it's mean, become it's become pretty, a yeah. real. It's become a real regular thing. Uh, publishers that have gotten in on it include yeah. Dark Horse, Image, IDW, yes. Dynamite. I mean, um, I, Oni got in on it. Did I, yes. Has Panda Graphics done one yet? They no, uh, no. One but yet. he's the. But Eric told me he's interested. Eric Reynolds, yeah, associate yeah. publisher, there, said he was he was he was interested in it. I think he said uh, he was uh, uh, was on vacation when it came around or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's just an amazing. I mean, all of yeah, all of them have raised six figures. I mean, the yeah. Doctor Who's exceptional, but I mean, all of them yes. have raised. Yes. I mean, I think serious the smallest cash. They had a one. special bundle for San Diego. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's. Uh, um, it, it's, it's their Transformers it's really bundle, bundle yes. which was awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now they still are naysayers. You, you have to buy into DRM free comics. There are some people that don't want to do it. Uh, some people are using it as an experiment. Yeah, there are a number of publishers, including IDW, who did not previously do uh, DRM free comics, but because it was a limited run, mm-hmm. um, and because it was such a large platform that because humble bundle, you have to understand listeners is viewed by millions of gamers who may or may not ever go into a comic shop but if they see their favorite brand in a humble bundle of comics will buy it that's right it gives them a whole new audience right this this really is a much different it's it's not it's not the wednesday crowd (laughs) for sure this is a very different digital audience and uh it's more new customers And one of the things that while the while the ebooks and comics don't generate it at much as much total revenue as the games do, they invariably have a higher uh, donation mm-hmm. average donation really? than yeah. than the games. Yeah. yeah. Well, comics readers have a higher uh, well, you know amount but, of money to spend. <laughs> but also, comics readers have a completist streak, and they're nutties. <laughs> well, because because you unlo- in order to get all the comics they offer. You have to unlock it by spending more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of comics readers who go, oh, crap, I'll never be able to buy this in DRM free any other way. I better, you know, send in my 15 bucks now. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's more to come on this, but, um, you know, definitely making some yeah. making some inroads. And, you know, just go to Humble Bundle. What they did in, in this last year is they launched a page just for ebooks. Mm-hmm. So there's always a Humble Bundle project up there running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so, okay. Um, did we go down our list? What about the the largest comics categories? Yes, comics yeah. categories. Yes. Yeah. A special feature on the beat. Yes, by Torsten. By the knowledgeable uh, and Torsten. Uh, esteemed uh, dude, Torsten. Uh, the biggest comics categories. Uh, according to what I have here, hold on, where did I put him? Uh, the 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 largest well, what cat- ca- is the Torsten general did. category. What Torsten did is he went and looked at BSAC numbers. Now BSAC is the book industry. BISAC. 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 Uh, what does it stand for, Calvin? 
Oh, book industry study. I don't ask study me. I just, <laughs> I've never actually heard anyone say it out right, loud. Right, right. Everyone just says BISAC. Right. Uh, but, but it's run by the by the book industry study group. Right. And like basically they assign numbers to categories of books so that yes. they, you could categorize them. Because people who read books, as we just alluded to in our Humble Bundle discussion, they love to put them and organize them. You know, they have to be in the right place on the shelf. Um, so BISAC is the book industry's official way of doing that. And so Torsten went in and looked at some numbers and saw just how many graphic novels came under which category. Right. So he was looking at all the graphic novels in print that have BISAC codes by category. And um, the number one category was general. Oh, that's enlightening. And <laughs> it's big. <laughs> um, but the number two was manga. Right. The and general is like twenty five percent of yeah. the total. I mean, it's fairly evenly distributed: twenty five percent general, twenty one percent manga, thirteen percent juvenile, twelve percent superheroes, and twenty nine percent quote unquote everything else. Oh. Yeah. So there's general <laughs> and everything else. So, um, but Torsten to make a pie chart. So props for that. <laughs> but, yes. But you know, there you go. Well, uh, actually. Um, he did list what some of these other categories are that fall into everything else, and they include such things as science fiction, romance, media tie-in, horror, fantasy. Right. It's sort of hard to believe how come none of those could be assigned to the say, you know, mo- you know, juvenile or. Well, he, there's some discussion in the comments of yeah. what general actually entails. Yeah. Um, you know, Milton Greep does every year for his white paper. He does a count of books by genre, and uh, he showed fewer books coming out in all genres last year, except for um, literary fiction. It yeah, was or re- reality. That is his term that he uses, yeah. but it's kind of the one that that you see and um, <laughs> it's the comics world. yeah I mean it's still relatively small yeah. compared to some of the other categories that he uses such as superhero or mm. you know science fiction but uh, it was the one that showed uh, a little bit more growth so yeah I, I mean this is you can find this on the beat uh, you know it's interesting be a study um, you know I would like to um, I mean Torsten is a de- Adair he were he is a data analyst uh for a living, so um, you know it's interesting to see what he does with that yeah, data sometimes. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, what do you think, Calvin? Is it time for the briefs? Ah, uh, you know what? I think it is. Okay, you go, girl. So, some of you who listened to us last week talking about DC's movie Slate may have noticed something missing, and that thing missing was Sandman. And when fans came upon this, who had been looking forward to the Sandman movie which has the involvement of both Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Neil Gaiman himself, they immediately steamed over to Neil Gaiman's blog and asked him what was up. To which the answer was, don't worry, everyone. The reason it wasn't mentioned under the upcoming DC movies is that it is not a DC movie. No, it is a Vertigo movie. (laughs) Uh, Which, yeah. well, no, I think it may be, I think this may, and people have speculated, this means it will be under control of a different division of Warner Brothers. And will be, be like New Line? No one knows. But that it wouldn't be under the, at the very least, it won't be under 
the control of the same people who are running the DC universe. Right. It will not have the same showrunner, right. as it were. Right, right. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty evident that it, this is not under the whoever is running the DC universe now, uh, which we don't know who it is. Maybe it's David Goyer. Maybe it's Zack Snyder. Maybe it's just, well, you know. Well, I did notice in the um, Jim Lee, Dan DiDio, ICP2 interview that they sort of were hyping big things to come in the Vertigo world. Yes, they were. So Yes, they were. So, uh, uh, you know, as speaking of which, uh, as you listen to this podcast, you can cruise right over and watch the premiere of Constantine. No, oh, that's right. Uh, this Friday, uh, which should be tonight as you listen to this. And, um, you know, I saw some stills. It looks pretty good. Uh, interesting. You know, uh, if Constantine does well... Um, Heidi well, is... Is emphasizing the difference between the character's preferred pronunciation in the comics and the pronunciation used in the television show. Yes. I think she feels this is an important distinction. Well, uh, I'm someone who listens to English accents all day. I uh, <laughs> would naturally say Constantine, but I understand it's Constantine. So, right. you know, tomato. He well, likes his every, tomatoes. Every, every and reached, his... It reached a point where, I mean, Marvel <laughs> is ruling the the cinematic world. Is, is Has DC kind of taken over uh, well, the, the I TV? I have yet to see The Flash, but uh, yeah. everybody's says it's amazing we said we were going to have a tv episode I know, people but i haven't we, seen them well, yet you know, so we, gotta, i try to do it for next time well, yes, I, I think that without constantine it was the wrong time to do it but once it has come out and we've all seen it then that is the time for us to do our review and speaking of dc ruling the television roost not only do they have flash and green arrow over at uh cw not only do they have Supergirl slated for CBS? But also, the CW is reportedly looking for a th- third DC show. Um, there are several heroes who have been introduced through Arrow and The Flash, who many people are are suspecting are backdoor pilots. Um, the word on the street from CW is they're trying to figure out what their next big show is. And so we shall see. Who would you like that to be, Kate? Well, I'm I'm trying to balance between what I'd love to see and what I think the CW could do well. Yeah. You need an intersection of these two things. Um, I actually sort of feel like the CW might actually do a pretty good Suicide show, Squad show. Um, I think they have to recast Amanda Waller because the one they had in Green Arrow was just not quite right for the role. But, you know, there's potential in that. They mm-hmm. could have it be there, mm-hmm. you know dark action kind of funny show and i think that would be well within their capabilities what do you think heidi uh well i you know what i am not uh, enough uh, into the dc characters to even have an opinion on that i have never watched arrow and uh you know i am i'm i'm not a big dc fangirl at all i like constantine <laughs> i've always been a big vertigo fangirl <laughs> yes i i so, that was aside from you know editing them which was probably one of my downfalls <laughs> well uh, yeah i don't have too much to say because i've never watched arrow um i've only watched um agents of shield with any regularity and i think well, you've heard you've heard far too much from us about that tv show. yeah well you know what let's <laughs> let's have our big fall preview yeah, but i'm gonna next time. i'm gonna bone up i'm gonna watch yeah. all of these yeah i'm shows. gonna watch them too i'm gonna watch all well, of them and we'll, based on the posters alone i think i would enjoy yeah, yeah. arrow but uh, so, uh well one thing i well heidi i will tell you every episode 
every episode opens with Ollie being shirtless and doing something I, athletic. Well, that's what I understand, that this is actually, you know, the first gay-themed superhero well, show. No. That, 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 or not gay-themed, that, that <laughs> acknowledges. It's aimed at the female view, actually. I see, uh, I see. Yep. Yes, yes. The um, female view, I see. If you're looking for the gay-themed super... Well, never mind. Let's just say that many people have argued that was the previous CW uh, show. Which as was... Which was Lex's uh, undying appreciation of Clark and his shrine to him in his mansion. Well, mm. you know, I think it's nice to shift that subtext from the Batman canon to the Superman canon. There you go. Yeah, there well, you, go. you know, um, but I think the CW is very good at making shows that are very pretty and a lot of fun, even if they're not terribly intellectual, which might make them a good fit for certain types of superhero comics. Could be. And um, I've also heard the persistent rumor that the second episode of Constantine is a world way better than the first. We shall see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that is um, probably not too hard to do. <laughs> but um, so that's two so of we, our briefs. Yeah. And yeah. guys, oh, what? Yeah, one more thing. Now, this is old news to those of you who are following comics news closely, but to those of you who are more casual news consumers or just got swallowed by the black hole that is New York Comic Con, there is a big story going on in comics rights um, for years, for years, the point where we stopped covering all the developments. The Kirby family has been in contention with Marvel over Jack Kirby's creations and over getting some kind of royalties or movie rights or something. And they have settled. Marvel has settled with them for, I believe, an undisclosed amount. Yes, well, that, we know. We can confirm it's an undisclosed yeah. amount. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, for an undisclosed amount, which was apparently sufficient to make the Kirbys and their lawyer happy enough to go home. Which, given that they've been very persistent for many, many years, is probably a significant I, amount. You know, I I would be surprised if the money is not a significant amount and significant to the settlement. But uh, I have a feeling that probably giving Kirby a little bit more I think it's, credit is going to be splashed probably, everywhere yeah. prominently. Oh, I, and I think that's probably that, more important to the yes. family, to be honest. Well, I, than money. I, I think I think they want both. I, yes. want, I yes. think. I think if they yes, only right. give they want money too. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, no, I think yeah. the, they see the money as part of the credit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that that they're not being fobbed off. Mm-hmm. That they're yeah. not just being given a cheap pat on the head. That Marvel is acknowledging his importance and acknowledging his contributions. Yeah, and yeah. and giving him his due. And I think and writing was, a check. Yeah, and I think the check was seen as part of his due. Oh, yeah, absolutely, um, without a doubt. These are multi-billion-dollar properties, also, right? But you know, like just to point this out, I mean, you know, we could. I mean, we did a whole show about Jack Kirby and his impact on comics, and talked about some of this stuff. Um, you know, the Kirby family was represented by Mark Toberoff, the same lawyer who represented the Siegel and Schuster families in their ultimately uh, fruitless quest to get more of a recognition on the super or ownership of the Superman character. Um, so, I mean, just uh, recently, the uh, appeal of Joe Schuster was turned, his heirs was turned down by the Supreme Court. Now, the Supreme Court was possibly going to hear the Kirby case. Um, it probably wouldn't have, and it probably would not have been a good decision for mm-hmm. uh, the Kirby family. But, uh, you know, Disney couldn't take that, 
couldn't take that that chance. risk. Mm. Couldn't take that risk. There, there's uh, nobody who's more protective right. of their IP than Disney. Yes, and yet I would say that Disney has definitely, and Marvel, uh, have definitely been making a lot of, we've talked about this before, but they've definitely been making some fairly positive uh, outreach to creators, enough to keep them quiet, enough yeah. to keep them happy and to keep mm-hmm. them well, I, I think, as we discussed a, a couple of years ago, when this, the picture was very different coming out of Marvel and Disney, that the financials of their previous position, which was don't give an inch, mm-hmm. made no sense. Right. And- uh, because it was just bad PR in exchange for some money that they could really afford to give. Right. And so I think wiser heads must have prevailed. Yes. And um, they realized that the money wasn't worth the black mark on their name. And, and yeah, and you know, I just, I think looking at how Warner Brothers and how Disney has handled this, I mean, you know, they both had very different cases. With Warner Brothers, it was an actual reversion of copyright, very clear to the Siegel and Schuster estates. Um, you know, what ultimately did the case in on their behalf was that there had already been a decision. There had already been an agreement. And... Uh, the courts ultimately real, uh, ruled that the agreement that had been signed previously was, uh, you know, prevailed over these appeals and attempts to go back and and rewrite them. Um, you know, the Kirby case was far more nebulous, very much more nebulous. There was never really a strong ownership claim. Uh, you know, really it was based on the fact that Marvel couldn't prove, you know, mm-hmm. Marvel's number one evidence was Stan Lee's memory. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> yes. tenuous, you know? So, uh, I mean, literally. Yeah. And because uh, they don't have any paperwork yeah. trail. They have no, you know, and there's certain other uh, legal. I mean, yeah. the Kirby estate had yeah. kind of lost a lot of. Um, they had lost hearings. every single one. They, every every single, one. single one. But there was, there's still a, quite a bit of, of discussion around just. The nature of copyright, when it happened, um, yeah. the old and the new copyright laws, how a certain, how it was ambiguous, somewhat ambiguous, how the new law saw Kirby's right. historical and I mean, you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, legal determinations yeah. of when you are working not on the property of the company that is paying you what your legal yes. ownership yes. rights are. and. Um, you know, Kirby did not work in the mythical bullpen. No one did. You yeah. know, there was no bullpen yeah. uh, for people drew the comics. They just made paste-up corrections. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I mean, I think it, just just a note. I mean, as soon as we're bringing this up, I mean, you know, it is a very important um, end note, chap- closing chapter in what has been a very long saga. And I think it is very interesting to compare, um, you know, just where, where the two companies are at. I mean... D- d- DC had a lot more very uh, clear things to lose. You know, they mm-hmm. would have lost all of the copyright to Superman. That would have been pretty bad for them. Um, you know, Disney was losing something much more, uh, you know, unclear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why they were able to make what seems to be, you know, a settlement that made everyone happy. Yeah. Right. And I can see why Disney was very afraid that the Kirbys could even theoretically win even theoretically a little because much as we love Stiegel and Schuster they did not touch a tenth of the number of important characters and uh, franchises frankly that Kirby did Kirby's fingerprints are all over the Marvel Universe and it would have played Mary Hell with Marvel's rights yeah 
if yeah. the Kirby's yeah. had won anything. Even anything. Yeah. 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 No, no. For sure. And I, but Kate, you're absolutely right. You know what? Why drag this on? Why make this protean creator look bad? When Disney absolutely has enough money just from Guardians of the Galaxy of to to pay this off and make it go away forever, make it go yes, away and forever, make everybody yeah. happy. Yeah, exactly. Because I think another factor, which maybe the studios hadn't originally thought of, was that comics fans love their creators and are deeply indebted to them and love them. And you know, it's it's not some anonymous guy drawing a duck. Yeah. And they've exploited that to their own credit, you know. They are definitely on top of that. So what seems to be a happy ending. Yes. <laughs> and we love our happy endings. And we we had a them. bunch of the, them this week, and we're happy about it. All right. Well, no doubt there'll be uh, more to come, don't you think? Yes. And until next time, there will be more to come.